to say, yes, sir. And then the Bible goes on to say, eh, hey, if you are obedient, you are calling the Bible, Alaba Shake Bredo Sokolo. Hey! Hallelujah! Ah, no, let's do this thing. Give me First Peter chapter 3. I feel the anointing to teach this thing. If the light goes on, it's not enough. It's not enough for the light to go on. The Bible says the light shines. It shines. No, my light will not just go on. No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you clear. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, no, no. It's, it's not enough that you do before. And he has put all things under his side, under his side, at arm's length. Where has he put them? Somebody shout it under my feet. You know, <clears throat> you know, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. The word of God will stand in your life. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a place that the word of God is taking in your life. You see, the word of God can dwell in different dimensions in your spirit. And the extent to which the word of God rests in your spirit determines the extent to which it manifests itself on the outside. The Bible says some seed fell on rocky ground. So when it was growing up, there were issues. Some of it fell, you know, on thorns. And when it was growing up, so the issue determining the quality of the plant that is growing was the nature of the soil. So whether word, the word of God dwells in you richly or not is not God's issue. It's your issue. It's our issue. Say, the word of God dwells in me richly. Come on, raise your right hand and say, make the confession. Even if you don't believe it, the more you confess it, you become it. Say, the word of God dwells in me richly. Yeah. These, there are people who have got a middle dimension of the word of God. You know how they say middle income countries? And these are middle to do parents or a family. There are also people in the, in the word of God who are you, you, you know, they are there, but not there. When you think they are there, they are really here. You know, but God is bringing you to a place where the word of God is dwelling in you richly. Don't we know when done a Bible. That's, a, that's a, how you sing it in, the, in, in our day. Bible, Don't You like not coming for rehearsal? That boy in the corner hiding didn't come for rehearsal also. Anyways, we'll sing the song later <laughs> when the saints are ready. Um, Don't for we know when the Bible. Let me see your Bibles. Bible, Don't for we know when the Bible. Bible. I'm looking at everyone as your pastor. I've got a right to song caller you for not coming with a Bible. And if you report to God, God will also ask you, Did you come with your Bible? So that you blame both of us with God. 
Praise God. There's, a, there's, there's another old song we used to sing. I was teaching my wife and she had no clue. You know, we are ancient. If you fiance fi mwamona, fiance fi kapita, chebo muyaya, chebo muyaya, chebo muyaya. If you fiance fi mwamona, fiance fi kapita, chebo muyaya. So that song simply means. And you should sing it to yourself. The word of God will abide forever. Everything will pass away, but the word of God will abide. And the more you keep convincing your mind, the more real the word of God becomes to you. Because the, 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 the dimensions to which the word of God is real to this one may not be the same to that one. For me, the word of God is so real, I can't do without it. But some people are like, ah, uh-huh, it's just church, we'll be fine. And some people, you can imagine, you have one whole week to go to, ch- to, 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 to spend alone at home. Yet there are people here who are saying, oh, this service is too long. The service is too long. That's what they mean, really. <clears throat> you just don't listen to your heart. That's what it really says. So we've got a few hours to be here and learn things and build you for the week. One week. Yet these few hours, you want to start saying, oh, we've got wrong services. <laughs> You want, to go, you want to put God on rapid so that he's doing things fast at your own great schedule. <clears throat> when you come to church, forget. Focus. And some of you don't know. Don't know that that feeling you are having to go home and sleep, it's the devil who's tempting you. Because if the devil was to come and say, dang, dang, does. <laughs> you think he would, that day we would see the man and woman of God in you. Get behind me. Satan charged the pillar testimony. But you see, you lack discernment. And I know Satan is able to do such things because the Bible says, the Bible says, um, to him who had little, even the little he had will be taken away. Who takes away? Who takes away? You see, because the Bible says, um, Then the devil comes, the thief comes and takes away what he had. So I know, that's what the Bible says. There are people, and it's sad to know that they, they are always among us. But you see, that has to come to an end. Where you spent four hours in church, you are coming out, all you walked away with was the offense that the service was long. <laughs> did you come in the first place? <laughs> and you're not walking out until the service is done. <laughs> so you see, you see, the thing is, the thing is, there's a point that uh, uh, Flavian made, which blessed me so much. He said, sometimes people bury their gifts and talents. Sometimes people commit themselves to their job at the expense of their gifts and talents. But then I've also noticed <clears throat> that some people still uh, for some people, this is interpreted like this. Because they are so busy with their job, they cannot walk in their talents and gifts. 
But then for some people in the same statement, it's because they are desiring a job so much that they forget their gifts. Praise God. It has to change. If you don't have a job, work with your hands. That's what the Bible says, mind your own business. Then it goes on to say, so that outsiders may respect you. Sometimes the only way that outsiders can respect you is when you have money. Because it's their language. And for most of you students, we are living in a generation where it's not necessary to fail. Because information is everywhere. Why are you failing? Is it necessary? It's not necessary. Tell your neighbor, "Mm mm-mm. I know some of you have started, what about other lessons? No, listen to me, I'm the preacher for now. Listen to the reason I'm giving you and stick to it. It's not necessary to fail. Say, it's not necessary. necessary. Say, I won't fail. fail. Because it's not necessary. necessary. Yeah, that's all. Stop thinking of other reasons. I was in law school. We used to clear at 50%. And what happened is when I was in fourth year, I noticed something. I'll tell you a secret. Sometimes I would work so hard and reap at 40%. I'm quite smart, by the way. I just don't like boasting. You know? humble, so. You just need discernment. If you can't see my humility, you lack discernment, eh? Ah. Okay, so, uh, I was wondering what's going on. Year after year after year. Not that I used to fail, but I would just never get the best of what I wanted. When I was in my fourth year, I realized there are other things I'm very good at. So I decided to write books. I've told you this story. And I worked with God. I've never worked with God. I've never worked with God the way I did. What I had was a 200 kwacha. And then I needed six pin in BC. If, if you know, you know. So I was thinking, where is the six pin going to come from? Or coming to going from? I don't know. The sentence wasn't even. So I was, <laughs> where is the money going to come from? My parents, you know, would tell you, my parents are the type who tell you, there's no money here. Or they will tell you things like, ah, that's a good plan, but you know they are not going to give you. Because they've given you transport money and money for food. And then they've got your brother and your sister. So, that's the, that's the, that's the English word for forget. <laughs> but then, I'm very aware that I have a project and I need to make money. What am I going to do? This is where now you need to trust God. Where you have to grow from your parents to God. And that's what faith is. Faith is faith towards God. In Hebrews chapter number 6, the Bible says, of faith towards God, not faith in man. Not faith in a specific person. Mm-mm. When your faith is towards God, your faith will not be frustrated because it was not dependent on frustrating man. Men can frustrate. Men can go broke. Men can die. misguided faith. But if your faith is towards God, even if a person promised and they did not fulfill, you're just waiting for the next other person that's going to bring it. Because your faith rested in God. You're listening to me. 
So I had to grow up. Trust God. And I had a 200 kwacha. That was a lot of money. I was in fourth year. It was a lot of money, 200 kwacha. Please, bear with me. And I was like, where am I going to take this money? Then God told me, sow it. Because for me, what I've learned is, if what I have is not enough for my need, then it's a seed. So I took the whole lot of it. Now, that could be my personal revelation, but it's within the word of God. So I took it. You know, that money which is even talking to you, you are giving out the money, it's speaking to you. You know, I can just remain in your pocket. You know, you can buy talk time and all that kind of stuff. But I told it, look, my friend, you come back. You know, we had a chat. So I let it go. You need to have, some of you need to have conversations with your money. Eh? You can't worship God in full without money. You think you just come with your, with your heart. You already gave it to God. <laughs> you remember when you came to the front and gave your life to God. <laughs> so worship God with your time. Worship God with your attention. Worship God with your money, your substance. Let your value be placed on God. So I gave it out. Ah, the way I received money. Some guy, we were not even close, called me. Ah, boy, if you reach the Facebook film, Pangawash. <laughs> I didn't expect anything from him. Ah, now I didn't question him. I just said, flesh and blood. <laughs> You know what Jesus told Judas? Whatever you have to do, do it fast. I meant to, I did it fast so that he doesn't change his mind. <laughs> I followed him. Nepwengila. Till he gave me the money. Praise God. And our friendship ended. No, honestly. When the raven brought bread to Elijah, did they have to continue the friendship? <laughs> It doesn't mean every person that God uses to bless you is Mwambe Chibwenzi. I'm not saying be ungrateful. Be grateful, but <laughs> feel free to move on with your life. Praise God. Mm-hmm. The money came. Another woman had a dream that a certain woman we had not talked in a long time. She, she, she gave me a 2,100. I woke up and said, Jesus. <laughs> you, you know such dreams which are very accurate. Like you saw 2,100 kwacha being given to your life. <laughs> Come on, guys. <sighs> I waited for, should I text her? <laughs> no, you can't text someone. <laughs> and she was taking time now. I was going to tell her, so God hasn't spoken to you, eh? So you mean uh, we do at zero for things, you know? I, I, I'm sure it was difficult for the prophet. Just he, she, he has seen the girl, but doesn't know whether to say hi <laughs> or to just be strong in the Lord, you know? <laughs> Don't worry, we are talking about grace, and I'll be concluding soon. So, so this woman called and gave me two thousand kwacha. You see, that's supernatural. I was, I was about to tell her, you've forgotten like a hundred questions. <laughs> <laughs> I know what God told me. You know, it's possible sometimes God commands someone to give you something, then according to their own selfishness. 
But I can still imagine if God was using that as a way to bless me, then that woman missed out by a percentage the fullness of the blessing she should have received. Because you obey in part, you will not reap in part, in full. You get my point? So money came in, six pin, bah, yangena. Before it does, like a yangena ya choka. Let me quickly take the book came out. You can imagine I was handling big money like six pin by fourth year. <laughs> God started giving me business idea after business idea and publishing. That's how come we are now even running a publishing company. <clears throat> yeah. Those books you see. Finding and being found, the art of we do them ourselves. See? But it's something that I started in fourth year. If I just focus now to Muntuni Losko, before to feel a job bafibagam. Muntku joba. And I've been able to interact with very big people in even in political arenas. I was just showing someone the book we did for a big political person, you know, and other big clergymen, clergy women, and big people in, you know, in society who interacted with them. They've told us, no, could you kindly do me this book? We're like, ah, we can do it. You know, one day I'll catch them and tell them, do you, do you know Jesus is Lord? Just like Flavian was preaching. Soon you'll be hearing other business coming up. You just wait. So, don't just sit in your profession. Find a way. And sometimes, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Sometimes, when you are in school, you've got an opportunity to start business and make mistakes. Let me loosely use that language. But when you start running a home, you have a whole wife <laughs> and a whole family to handle. You know, a chapanga na pusa. <laughs> so you're afraid. But when you're being sponsored, you know what? Even if I blow this kamani, I would have learned to take a lesson. But you, when you're running a whole home, what will the lesson bring food? The, the lesson will bring food on the table. <laughs> so, right now, do not be lazy to begin trying. Keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And also God wants to give you an op- a platform to bless you. The way I can be blessed as a man of God is going to be different from the way you will be blessed. Me, I was seated down one time, wondering where is the money going to come from? And I was telling God, I'm just going to get a job right now. So that I can make more money. Then God told me, you know how Uza died? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> God said, he tried to help me. I said, sir, I repent. When I was repenting, someone came shaking with a nine pin. Now, for you, how many chances do you have that someone will come with a nine pin from nowhere? Me, I'm a man of God. That's, that's how it works. Somebody will just come to say, Pastor, pray for me. When you are giving that word, I was moved to bless you. This I'm telling you, you can hate all you like, but I, I, can, I can have a lot of money in this way. But you see, not you, you can have such opportunities, and that's okay. 
But then for you, you have to provide an opportunity or a platform for the blessing to land. For me, the platform is this ministry. You see? But for you, you have to create a platform. Sometimes you can find we've laid the hands on you. You've even developed a, a board head. <laughs> the blessings are piled. They are even eating your hair. Oh, it's a coincidence. It's a coincidence. How are you? I pangile fete telling of hands. But then the blessing, you've not given the blessing a platform to express itself. Remember, the blessing materializes. So you may have it. Ama declarations, wapo na walma. But you are not giving that blessing an opportunity to express itself. So go out from here. Don't be afraid to start. Keep believing God. Keep pushing. This is the year of the next level of glory. We are, we, are, we, are, we are working in a different dimension of the blessing. And the grace... Listen, this is how the grace is imparted. Already we've been talking about uh, the next, the, 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 how to increase in grace. And this is the, the stuff I'm, 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 I'm bringing you towards. You see, when we talk about grace, what we said is by grace through faith, right? When you receive the word of God like this, your faith is rising. Some of you feel like you can now sow. Some of you feel like you can now go out and start a business. Why? Because the word of God has got ability to impart faith. It imparts faith. When, when the word of God is being communicated, faith is being imparted in your spirit. You see? Because the Bible says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? Yeah. So the next dimension of faith is called actions. Because James brings an argument and he says, you say that you've got faith. Then he says, even demons have faith. In fact, them, their faith looks deeper because they even shake when they hear about God. But you, you hear about God and you don't shake meaning their faith is deeper. But he says, what strikes a distinction between demonic faith and, and faith uh, that we have as believers is our willingness to step out in showing that we have that faith. It's practicable. The backbone of faith is actions. So show me your actions and I'll show you your faith. So Demons have faith, but what makes that faith demonic is that although they profess and they know and they understand that there is a God, their actions are contrary to their knowledge. So if your actions are contrary to your knowledge, then demonic faith is greater than you because whilst they don't shake, they even shake at the sound of God. You you have that knowledge, but God doesn't move you. That's what James is trying to tell us. See, say, I've got mountain moving faith. But then we learned a principle in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, by grace, you see, you can't say that you've got faith in God. Because faith comes by the knowledge of the word of God. You see, in Luke chapter number 18, he brings an argument. And he says, there's a woman who wanted something from, she she wanted judgment from a, a judge. She wanted justice. She kept going there and the judge kept chasing her because she feared not God or man. 
And then finally he got wear down and he said, this woman is going to finish me. Give her whatever she wants. And then he poses a question. He says, but when the son of man comes, will he find faith? So the question is, when Jesus Christ comes today, one thing he'll be looking for is faith. Now, why will Jesus Christ be looking for faith? What shows that we have faith are our actions. So he will look at our actions to determine whether there is faith or not. Because our actions will show that we have faith in him. Now, let me take it a little bit home. Faith is not just an issue of receiving from God. It's bigger than that. If faith was just an issue of receiving from God, then the scriptures would not have said in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that the just shall live by faith, which is we walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. If faith was a lifestyle, they shall live. It means they'll have their livelihood. It means they breathe, they think, they feel through faith, they eat faith, they dream faith, they relate with God through faith, they relate with man through the eyes of faith. It says they shall live by faith. It doesn't say they shall ask and receive by faith. It says they shall live by faith. So now, if they just shall live by faith, then faith is more than just asking and receiving because asking and receiving is merely a part of your faith. It's merely a part of your faith. It's merely, meagerly, minutely, a chunk of your faith, a tiny little bit of your faith. When you read the great whole of faith, you understand how the, 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 there's what I call the other side of faith. And when you talk about the other side of faith, the Bible talks about how faith was used to acquire a good testimony before God. This guy named Enoch, the Bible doesn't say by miracles. He says by faith. He pleased God and he was no more because God took him. It wasn't by some special calling, no, by faith. I am convinced that there are people who never see the grave because of their faith. You don't have to believe it. Kai, you don't have faith for it. I'm just telling you. Because the Bible says it. I'm, am I not reading you the Bible? Am I telling you my, my opinions? And so you tell God, why were you saying those things? Don't you know you were shaking our faith? God is giving you faith. You are being shaken. <laughs> you are special. <laughs> you see, by faith, by faith. It will be said of you, by faith, she was ne we never saw her sick the whole, all, all her life. Even when it was time for her to die, we just saw her say, I need all my family members. She's a kanayintichakuti woman. Gave them blessing. Mommy, why are you doing that? Don't worry. Eh? I'll not be here for long. Maybe she's sick. They saw her wake up. Do a kanshima. Cook for everyone. Nayintichakuti woman. And tell them, eh, I want that place for my burial site. That's the one who even wants to die. Uh, for that, do that, do that. Eh? The next week, don't worry, just be happy. See you. That's how she went. They just found she's gone. Very peaceful. By faith, she, he was never sick. You see? The Bible also says, by faith, some people killed lions. By faith, some people escaped the mouth of lions. It says, by faith, some people received strength to give birth in their old age. It says, by faith, these were strangers on the earth. It, faith is not just about asking and receiving. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Faith is that capacity that makes you access a grace. 
to live a supernatural life. Grace is a power, but faith is a method to the power. And I'll show you some amazing things in, 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 in a jiffy. But you see, faith, I said, is something that comes by knowledge, right? Because as I am communicating knowledge to you, faith is coming because the scriptures dictate that <clears throat> faith comes by hearing the word of God, right? Are you following? So it means uh, sometimes how people live is indicative of their faith. Why are you cheating on your boyfriend? You have no faith. Why are you sleeping with someone before marriage? You, have no, you are faithless. Because if faith comes from the word of God and the word of God is not limited to receiving and giving, then if you're not going to sleep with someone before you marry them, then you believe that the word of God is true, that people should keep themselves before they are married. So when we talk about believers, we are not just talking about people who ask and receive. No. We're talking about people who are anchored in the word, in its fullness. Say, I'm a believer. You don't believe in giving. That's why you don't give. You believe you'll be broke if you give your money. The word of God says give and it shall be given to you. You, your word says you give, you're broke. So is it <laughs> You don't believe. You're afraid. Your fear is greater than your faith. That would never be your portion. See? So, in the dispensation we are living in, we must, and I'll go back to these basics because faith is a very fundamental basic that we must all have a very good exposure to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Hey, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and shake your head. Hmm, the things I'm learning today. I mean, how do you come in this environment and walk back the same? <laughs> there are people who just don't change. They will listen and say, ah, it was powerful. <laughs> but just not powerful enough to change your mind. Yeah, that people can never forget this. And I'm about to make some very dangerous points. <laughs> I'm about to make some very dangerous points. So, follow me. Oh my goodness, Lord Jesus. Oh, beautiful. So look at this now. Are you ready to write? Okay, so what we are saying, definition, let me just read it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. So we lift holy hands in. Singing, blessed be. So it says, grace is, now this, this definition is going to be very important in the next few minutes. So, grace is the divine influence on a person's heart. Grace is a divine influence on a person's heart 
that affects or dictates the outworking of the person's life. So, have you, I've picked words very categorically for a reason. Listen to this. I'm sure you've written it. If you feel like I need to read it again, say, <clears throat> ah, you are few, so I can move on. You are very few. Jesus is Lord. So I'm saying grace is divine influence on a person's heart. The word heart is representative of spirit. Okay? Because when the Bible talks about the heart of a man, it's talking about the human spirit. Remember, a man is made of spirit, soul, body. And since grace is a spiritual substance or a spiritual concept, it therefore relates in your spirit. It begins by reaching your spirit first, and then it begins affecting the soul and the body and the outside. It moves like that. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So your heart, we are talking about the human spirit. Because the human spirit is that personality in a person that takes immediately after God. So, that is grace. It comes on a person's heart. Amen. Amen. And then it influences not just your heart, but the entirety of your life. Say, so the, the grace of God in my spirit, in my spirit. Is, working is working everywhere around me. Now, I'm just going to conceptualize this. The definition is important because as we have discussed, a lot of people think of grace only in one dimension. And when you ask people what grace is, this is important. When you ask people what grace is, they will tell you unmerited favor. And that's correct. There's a place for that. But then when you look at the fullness of the heart of the gospel, you realize that grace is a multifaceted substance or a multifaceted issue that you cannot only limit it to unmerited favor. Unmerited favor is rather a generalized interpretation of grace. That's what I've discovered. And you see this in the scripture. Let me show you one, script, let me show you one scripture. Well, let me show you some scriptures where when we understand grace as unmerited favor, it makes sense. And the reason why it makes sense in some places when you define grace as unmerited favor is because it seems as if theologically the people who are translating the word of God stuck only to one interpretation. And they were not necessarily using interpretation. They were using translation. There's a difference between translation and interpretation. When we are translating, then we have to interpret word for word or or, 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 or or, or transliterate from one language to the other word for word. Amen. Amen. But when we are interpreting, then we are deriving meaning. Everybody say deriving meaning. Deriving. That's why it's not translation of tongues. It's interpretation of tongues. That means somebody can speak tongues for one hour and yet you only interpret it into two words. But if you were to translate word for word, it means you have to match the hour through which they were speaking. So now... There is a place for theological translation. Theological translation translates or moves words from one language to the other in the best of their ability, word for word. But then there is another translation which is called interpretation. Everybody say interpretation. And when we talk about interpretation, we are talking about deriving meaning. Now, interpretation is deeper, and many theologians run away from interpretation because they are afraid they may make error. 
But then when we understand the heart of the gospel, now I'm taking you a little deeper, when we understand the heart of the gospel and what the writer really meant, although the same word is used, there would be an absurdity if we use the translation that theologians use, which is unmerited favor. We have to look to other meanings so that we get into the very heart of God for what he means when he uses the word grace in other places. Okay, I feel like I'm rushing, so I'm going to come down. But I want to show you something. Don't worry, it's going to make a whole lot of sense. Now, let me give you an example. When you read Hebrews chapter number 4, Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 14, beautiful scripture, NKJV. The Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Hallelujah. 16, which is my point of focus, the Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace. Have you seen the word grace there? To help in time of need. NKJV. Give me the amplified of verse 16. Quickly. Okay. He's talking about, look at me. So he's talking about weaknesses, right? He's talking about people's failures and people's inabilities. So when a person has failures and inabilities, obviously they are not worthy to get into the presence of a very holy God, right? Amen. I'm about to make a point, so you follow me. Don't get bored, you are smart. So, when we talk about that privilege to enter the throne of God, despite being sinful, but being given a privilege to boldly, the Bible doesn't say timidly, imagine a sinner is told to enter the presence of God boldly. That should be unmerited favor. I, I don't know what you think, if that's too much, but me, I'm just reading you the Bible. Look at that. Let us then fearlessly, with all the weaknesses, that's why people will say, let me first work on myself, then uh, I'll come back. That's error. That's error. You cannot work on yourself. You failed. So let him come work on you. That's, what, that's why grace is there. Look, it's self-righteousness to say, let me work on my weaknesses, then I'll come. No. You can't work on your weaknesses because your righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. And when you look righteous, trying on your own to be righteous is like filthy rags. That word filthy rags comes from the word, I'm just telling you where it comes from. A cloth that has been used by a woman who's been on her periods. That's where the word comes from. I know. So if that's dirty according to the word of God, then it says your own righteousness is as dirty as that. That's where the word filthy rags comes from. It's not me who said it. I'm just telling you where it came from. So don't say, oh, that pastor is for jobs. Okay? So this is why he says, you sinner, just come boldly. Don't try by all means to say, ah, let me just work on myself, then I'll start going to church. Ah, <laughs> you died for yourself. Remember young Jesus? 
So just come. And then he says, come boldly. Because Jesus understands your weaknesses. Jesus understands your weaknesses. Because even he himself, we are told in verse 15, he was tempted in all ways. The difference is that he never sinned. Let me give you a scenario. You wrote a very hard exam. Very hard exam with your friends. It was hard for both of you. You, you, you don't know how you passed. Your friend failed. Can you laugh? So you and Jesus have been tempted. Jesus said, one time, Jesus, Jesus experienced a temptation. They were so strong that one time when he was praying, he was saying that in his prayer, he included this kapatati. Uh, lead us not into temptation. <laughs> <coughs> but deliver us from the staff. Eh? And so yeah, for that is a kingdom. Because he, he remembered what he went through and he's like, mm, I, no one should go through that stuff. Eh? So Jesus also went through. That's why if a person falls, Jesus doesn't go, ah, now I'm going to whip you. No, 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 no. You see, we've got a human being in the Godhead. That's why he's our representative. This is why it's, this is why it's so hard for a person to go to hell. It takes a lot of deliberateness. Because when you look at the effect of the blood of Jesus and what he did on the cross, No, it takes, it takes a lot of deliberateness. Because when you notice the power of the blood, the power of the blood, the Bible says, cleanseth us from all sins. That's what John said. Cleanseth. It doesn't say cleansed. Meaning the thing spoke into eternity. The power of the death of Jesus Christ is that your sins, past, present, the ones you have not yet committed are forgiven. Some people would rather die than accept this. In fact, sinning Christians are the ones who say, no, there's no such thing. They need forgiveness. Let me, see, let me tell you, so you are saying, can we, that question was already there. Should we sin so that we can use grace? No. <laughs> let me tell you the other thing that grace does. And, and, and I'll be concluding. But you see, when you read 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our, tra- of our trespasses and to cleanse us of unrighteousness. That, that's powerful. If Jesus would only forgive us of our sins, that would be amazing. But the Bible says, he cleanseth us from unrighteousness. That means he deprives us of the desire to go back and sin. He deprives. Look, there's no Christian who sins and they are happy. Ah! We slept last night. <laughs> Overnight. Nish, you are not born again. I store. I kissed Judas from Bepesha. Hello, Judas Karika fast. There's no Christian who's happy doing what they do. And there are some of you who do wrong things. I know you are not happy. 
Why? Because there is a thing that Jesus put in you when you got born again. He's pushing away the desire to sin. And he's bringing in you the capacity to live a righteous life. And when you just put yourself in the right place, you will be, you'll be disgusted you used to talk like that. He says he cleanseth you of all unrighteousness. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That's what the grace of God does. You become an expression of the righteousness of God. How can you prove that God is righteous? Look at me. I'm the proof. That's how people change. I've seen, I've seen wicked people here change their sense now. They were wicked. When we are singing amazing grace, I'm fighting the temptation to look at them. That saved every... But when you look at them, there's no past. It's people who struggle with your past. To God, the Bible says, there's a sea of forgetfulness. Someone can look at you and say, ah, <laughs> <laughs> When they are singing, you are big, they are looking at you, big, big. <laughs> they look at another one, Raj, Raj. <laughs> Can you just look at your life and how God saved you? Not all your friends' life. By the way, nobody needed God any less. We all needed the same cross, the same death. So don't think other people have cute sins. We had the same sins from Adam. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So, look, oh, get me back. Get me back to the previous scripture. Oh my goodness, how did I get here? So, he's saying, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. The throne of God's unmerited favor. That's unmerited favor for a sinner to go back into the presence of God. That's unmerited favor. You, you, you get my point? Yeah. You know, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Hallelujah. Say there is grace for me. Yeah, that's what John was told. That's why I'm saying it's difficult to live a, a continuous sinful life. Still, when you read First John uh, chapter 2, he says, My dear children, I write to you that you may not sin. Then he says, but if, he didn't say when. There's a difference. One of them, when, if is a conditional article. That means if it ever happened, you didn't even know. <laughs> or even if you knew, but if it happened. But if you say, when you sin, it means when <laughs> But you are not of that type. Amen. I said you are not of that type. Amen. That's what the Bible says. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if Christians don't sin because of when, if they sin, it's an if. It's like when you ask, if I tell, if I tell you, patience, if you come, you should do ABC. That means there's a chance you will not come. You get my point. But if I say, patience, when you come, it means I'm expecting. It's expected. But what's used there is an if. And then there's a place where you grow in your righteousness that the thing of sin is not your bother. Hallelujah. That's why he says, my little children. It's for little children. 
You, you are growing in righteousness. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Say, I'm growing in righteousness. I'm growing in righteousness. Now, I want you to look at something amazing. If we use the word unmerited favor to define grace in the next scripture, being the book of Titus, chapter number 2, verse 11, there will be an absurdity produced. And I'm taking you through this path because I want you to understand the spectrum of grace, the fullness of the spectrum of grace. It's very important because your life is only as glorious as the quality of your knowledge. Okay? Even in the faith, it's the same. Your life, you can write this down. I'm going to be slow. Your life, your life, your life, (laughs) someone who's not writing, your life is only as glorious as the quality of your knowledge. And we'll get to knowledge. There are deep things of knowledge I want to share with you. Are you ready to go a little deep, bit deeper in, 20, in 2020? You think you know. Wait. Wait. There's some amazing things that the Lord was teaching me last night. Although time won't allow us. We'll get into them next week. So he says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Go on. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. As we await the coming of the Lord Jesus, it goes on to say that. But I want you to look at the amplified of that. It says, For the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing. There's something wrong. So, Remember, I told you about transliteration and interpretation, right? When we are translating, we are trying to use word for word. But when we are interpreting, we are also considering the aspect of context and the aspect of the heart of the gospel and what God was really trying to communicate. There's a place for unmerited favor and blessing. But when we talk about the grace of God, which appears for deliverance from sin, And eternal salvation for all mankind. Go on. Which grace also trains you to reject and renounce all ungodliness. And worldly desires to live a well-behaved, self-controlled life. It's amazing. Okay, go on. That's not for you. That's for those who didn't come. Just don't tell them. <laughs> Look at that. Are waiting and looking for. So, this is not necessarily this is not necessarily unmerited favor. It's not just mercy. You, you, you see that? It can't be. That's divine influence on a person's heart that causes them to come out of sin. And trains them to... That's not favor and mercy. No. Favor and mercy is more access. But then divine influence on a person's heart affecting the way they live is a different dimension of grace which the translators should have used there when they were using the Amplified. So that's not unmerited. Go back, go back. So that should have read. I'm not here to correct the Bible, okay? 
I'm not correcting the Bible, really. I'm telling you that some people who are translating the Bible, some of you are thinking it was the Pope. No. <laughs> or your, whatever your concept of holy men are, or like deep men of God. Some people who are translating the Bible were just scholars. They were told, oh, can you translate the Bible from Hebrew to English? Oh, yes, because I did Hebrew as a degree. Some of them were even smoking as they are doing it because they did it for business. They were not filled with the spirit. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you the truth. I'm a theologian. I'm doing a master's in theology, not to boast or anything. <laughs> yeah, which has been for a while. Pray for me. <laughs> and there's one, there's one course we did titled um, Let's Weigh the Evidence. And then you start studying scriptures. You, you study the new translations and you study the KJV and the different types of KJV and you study the history of translation and which people translated which version. And you understand the backgrounds of the people who translated which versions and why they were using certain language to translate which versions. So that's, that's, that's where my knowledge is coming from. I read. The same way you can read and find these things. Okay? Praise the Lord. But then I'm using the heart of the gospel because grace is that power which moves you from death into life, makes you a new man. And after making you a new man, deprives you of the power to be new people. They are just people. The Bible talks about uncleanliness. They burn with anger or they think nasty things about it. The Bible says, if you think of a woman lustfully, I don't know how people do that. But guys are about you. One look. Okay, no, let me not go there. That will not be your portion. But the Bible says the blood of Jesus can cleanse you of an evil conscience. The word of God produces faith. Which faith? is your access to grace to have a cleansed and purged conscience. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That divine influence on your spirit, adjusting your life. And the Bible says, as we behold the word of God as in a mirror, we are being transformed into that same image of the Lord Jesus. Image doesn't mean in copio, the forehead deep, Okay, there's an in thank you. There's an interplay of words there. Image means likeness. That's why the Bible says that he may become the firstborn among all brethren. Firstborn in the Greek means taking preeminence and having the biggest share in all things. That means everything carries his character. That's what firstborn means. So it means you may be short, you may be tall, but you sound like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. There's just something Jesusish about you. You are a woman, but there's something Jesusish about you. I know you are a boy, but this boy away. There's something about this boy. I know you are just a business lady, but you know when you talk, the Bible says they could not resist the wisdom with which Stephen spoke. Look, they will not resist the wisdom with which he will speak. Amen. And you know, they can't understand it, but there's grace at work. Just the way you think. Eh? 
allow the grace of God to work in your spirit. Say the word of God, the, the grace of God is working in my spirit. Let me show you one last scripture, then we are going to pray. Um, when you look at Romans, this is a very important scripture. When you look at Romans chapter number 6, verse 13, how to increase in grace, part 3b. I'm hoping we'll be able to conclude everything next week. Because there's something amazing we need to start looking at. Something amazing. I wish I could just tell you the topic. But I don't want to spoil your, your word. So I must sneak peek. Mm -mm. But just know there's something amazing that we're about to start looking at. I was in prayer and the Lord says, start this. So just know that it's a whole buffet. Praise God. <clears throat> Do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments or tools of wickedness, but offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life and your bodily members and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. Say, my body, my body. And, all and all its parts are implements of righteousness. So you are being encouraged. Offer your body as implements of righteousness. Uh, 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 uh. Jude says, hating the very cloth that has even been touched by the flesh. Just the cloth. That's what he says. Offering your body as implements of righteousness. Hallelujah. Here's my, my point of interest. He says, for sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you, since now you are not under the law, but under grace, as subject of God's favor and mercy. There's something wrong with the expression of the word grace in that script. Even in the past, God used to give them favor and mercy when they sinned. But that did not stop sin from having dominion over them in the law. Look at that scripture and think with me. For sin shall no longer exert dominion over you. Since now you are not under the law as slaves to sin, but under grace. So, in, in short, he's saying sin cannot have dominion over you. Because you are subject of God's favor and mercy. He's saying also, sin shall not have dominion over you. Because you're no longer slaves to sin, because you are under God's grace. Now, the definition of grace there doesn't fit in. Because I'm telling you that even people who were under the law had God's favor and mercy, but that did not stop sin from exerting authority and dominion on them. Sin can only have no dominion over a person who has received the grace of God in the dimension of God's influence on their life. Change on their heart, changing their life, the way they look at women, the way they look at insults, and their desire to sin and do wrong things has been deprived. That man cannot be under, the, the, under, under, under sin again. So they should have used a different definition of grace, not the one in the brackets. It's a sign that God is blessing us. Are you learning something? 
So that is a correct definition of grace, but it was wrongly placed. It should have been that ability that God places on a human being that stops them from committing sin. That's grace. Not God's unmerited favor. That's also grace, but that's not a dimension which saves from sin. Okay? So, when we are saying, look, there are people who, ah, what the grace of God has done in them is not just an issue of mercy and favor. When you read about Simeon, the Bible talks about an old man named Simeon. The Bible says he was old. But then the Holy Spirit has revealed it to him that he shall not die until he sees the salvation of the Lord. You can imagine, all his friends are dead. Him is still alive. Are you talking to him with him? Boom! Because the Holy Spirit had told him that you, you will not die until you see the salvation of Israel. Now, I can tell you that Simeon wanted to die, but he couldn't even if he tried. Because the Holy Spirit had blessed a grace for him to live long until he saw the salvation of Jesus. Here is my proof. The first time he saw Jesus, he said, now I can die, right? No, let me show you. Let me show you. Luke chapter number 2, verse 25. But, uh, let's, yeah, yeah. And behold, there was a certain man in Jerusalem. Give it to me. Yeah. Behold, there was a certain man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Because, that's what he means, the Holy, uh, uh, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The next part says, and it had been revealed to him. That's why he was living and he was old. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. That is sunga, suna. Yameneyo. You shall not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was an odd. Now, go on. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, listen to what he said. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. <laughs> Instead of saying, ah, I've seen Jesus. He said, ah, finally. <laughs> you see, death shouldn't be a horrible thing. If you have to go by the way of the grave, the time has to be right. There's a dimension of grace you live in life. Paul said, I'm confused. Should I be alive? Or should I die? Uh, anyways, I'll live longer for your sakes. Yeah. It says, I'm caught in a street, in, in a fix between the two, in a, in a street fix between the, betwixt the two, KJV. Whether I should live or I should go to be with the Lord. And then he says, but it's more profitable that I remain in the body because you can learn more stuff. So anyways, I'll continue living. You will not die. Amen. You will live a long and satisfied life. You will fulfill the number of your years. Those who want to die, listen. You will fulfill the number of your years in this life. You can't live in a realm of this world and you are receiving all this faith and just decide, he say, even a car can come from nowhere and boom. No! No! You will live a long and satisfied life. 
that guy, the first thing he did was wonder, so now we can die. There are people who are so sick, but they never die. Because there's something in them that keeps them alive. grace. They may even fall sick, but they are just not going to die. Because God preserves them. Look, God preserves you. I said God preserves you. Amen. God will preserve you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Finally, Paul. Very interesting story. So, that grace, the famous grace scripture, you'll find it. Uh, it should be, is it First Corinthians chapter number 12? When he talks about, I know a man who by vision went to the third heavens, right? And then he saw, he says, he saw things which are inexpressible. Not necessarily forbidden to speak, but he couldn't find words. Imagine if I showed you a color you've never seen, Okay. I show you the color. Let's say you've never seen the color magenta. You can begin to say, at red, red, so orange, pinkish. But you really can't find words. So it's like what happens sometimes when you're trying to explain, sometimes when you're trying to explain revelation, it's like what happens when WhatsApp or Facebook is trying to put up a picture which has got very high quality. It can't. So it reduces the quality and presents to you a, a more fr- user-friendly, bundle-friendly version. Maybe those people who, who download things have seen, sometimes they're talking about bundle-friendly. So when you're watching, because even on WhatsApp, sometimes you post a picture and the, and, and the quality has been compromised. Sometimes it's like that. When you're trying to explain the vision or the way I receive revelation during the week, I, I, I sometimes, I, I can't explain it the way it came. And I know it feels like it has reduced in quality. That's why you should be praying for me that God gives me utterance. Because I feel like I can explain the word of God better than this. But then, sometimes it comes in and you feel like, ah, what better word can I use? So that's the kind of vision he said. He couldn't find words to express. Otherwise, it would just reduce the quality. And so he says, 14 years ago, and so he said, after he came back, because of the kind of visions that he saw, to stop him from boasting, there was a, you can come get this place, there was a, uh, there was a, there, there was a messenger of Satan that was sent to him, who brought a thorn in his flesh. Of course, there are many questions there, we're not going to go to them, and you're not going to have a messenger of Satan from the Lord because you're not poor. So, let's just end there, please. Amen. Praise God. Me, that's my conclusion on that scripture. I will not have a thorn from the Lord. There will be no messenger of Satan against my life. I am Sadi, not Sapo. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. So three times the Bible says, I begged the Lord to take this thing away. And then what did God say? Go to the next one. This is the last one. This is the last one. Be strong. He said to me, my grace is sufficient. Now, if we interpreted that word grace as unmerited favor and blessing, there would be something wrong. 
Because it's not unmerited favor that was keeping him from dying despite the thorn in the flesh. It means Paul was very sick, was very tormented that if another person who was never given sufficient grace went through what Paul went through, that guy would have died. But when Paul said, Ow! Lord, take this thing away! God said, Don't worry, sir! (laughs) My grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes you may be praying for people that it, it, it looks like they're not getting healed. Don't worry. Your prayer is producing a grace that is preserving them. That's why ministries don't fail. That's why despite what we go through, we don't fail. We still bounce back and we make it. Because there's something we've permanently received called grace. It keeps us alive. It keeps us doing the will of God. I want you to stand up and raise your hands. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. If you can, pray in the Holy Ghost. If you're unable to, just thank God for his word. Because his grace is shifting your life. You shall not be consumed. The grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, raise your voices, raise your voices. <laughs>